0: This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR, 9023FM, the voice of Harlem.
1: Dab! We, we get, are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 9023FM, WH. What kind, That was the whitest dab I've ever seen. Were you scratching your shoulder?
0: <laughs>
2: oh, are you
3: dabbing. What is...
0: I was... What in white Jesus were you
1: doing dab? Um, excuse
2: me. Jab, jab. I'm, I'm going to say nothing about Jesus. tabs because, you know, we're talking about two different types uh, yeah, of... Yeah. yeah, exactly. you talking about that <laughs> Westchester, <laughs> that. Long no, Island no, dab. no, you're talking Long about the, the West Coast dab. Mm, I'm yeah. talking about the... Yes. Legalize it. That's, yes. that's no, California if you not legalize dab. that
1: California dab. <laughs> Anyways, guys, we are back on. Let your voice be heard on ninety point three FM WHCR, the Voice of Harlem, the streets of Dab and Dab, Daddy Dab City. I was arrested for DWD driving while jabbing oh, just no. yesterday, and I got out. You know why? Because I'm Lee rocked on any block. And if you just missed <laughs> half of the show, that was amazing, wasn't it? If you just missed sure, Stanley, half the- <laughs> <laughs> Selena, we need you, <laughs> Selena. <laughs> If you missed half of the show, um, we had a great conversation on Supreme Court justices. We had a news roundup talking about Donald Trump having people Millie Rock on his speeches and get beat up for it. And then now we are talking about recidivism. But I'm not going to talk your ears off. I'm going to do it to Alyssa Cat Daddy Fuchs.
2: Yeah, don't go back to jail because you <laughs> went to a Donald <laughs> Trump rally and uh, and you thought that it was a good We're idea nervous. to like throw a shoe at somebody something. Oh, I can't wait. When he comes to New York, I'm punch. going.
1: And let, let, somebody, oh, let somebody get crazy. <laughs>
2: oh. So let me tell you about uh, about a restaurant, um, about a five-star Italian restaurant. It's called In Galleria. And you know what In Galleria is like? for in Italian, it means in prison. Um, and in Galleria is a Italian restaurant that's inside of a prison. It's inside of the Bolete Peritonitentiary, which is a medium security prison which about with about 1,100 inmates that's in Milan or on the outskirts of Milan. And the waiters, the dishwashers, the cooks, and everybody else that works in this restaurant have been convicted of some sort of crime, uh, whether it's armed robbery, drug trafficking, uh, homi- even homicides. Um, wow. And so... This prison is actually what's considered the vanguard of experimentation when it comes to uh, different ways to try and reduce recidivism when people get out. The uh, the it the prison offers an array of programs, not only the restaurant, um, but companies have work programs on the prison grounds, which allows people to start working for a company while they're in prison. And then when they get out of prison, they can continue to go work for this company that they've been working for while they're in prison. Um, there are volunteers that teach theater and painting. There are people that learn uh, carpet. Carpentry skills in workshops that are equipped with power drills, saws, tools, and there's even a stable that allows prisoners uh, to learn how to maintain horses and take care of animals. Um, There's also an initiative that involves a carefully vetted group of 200 uh, people who are incarcerated who are allowed to actually leave the prison each day to go work at a job at an outside firm, and every night they Travel. I'm sorry. Every day they travel without any supervision on public transportation. They check in for work. They work a full day and then they travel back to the prison uh, where they are locked in for the night. And then every morning they get up and they go back to work just like... like a normal person does And when they get out of prison They can then go work For this I company if their cells Are bigger than our New York and City And there department. has only <laughs> ever been a One prison. person who has absconded And not come back um, Now why are they doing These things in Italy Well for years Italy has struggled With overcrowding In its prison systems And actually in 2013 The European Court For Human Rights Ordered the country To fix the prison system And to reduce The prison population Sounds familiar uh, Well if it doesn't It should Because the reason Why there were So many people in prison in Italy is because during the 90s, they had three strikes laws, which are very similar to the three strikes laws that we have here in the United States. But in 2014, following this ruling by the European Court of Human Rights, Italy actually began to release inmates something that we are seeing here now, uh, who had be convicted of minor offenses. Um, but the issue of how to best rehabilitate offenders still remained, because ultimately the key goal is not just to release prison to alleviate overcrowding, but also to figure out how to have people not come back into prison. So let's shift gears for a second, talk about the U.S. The U.S. has more than 20% of the world's prison population, even though we only have about 5% of the world's total population. That makes the U.S. the world's number one biggest jailer in fact one in a hundred adults are actually incarcerated in a US prison or a local jail and this is the highest rate of incarceration in American history um, one of the most fundamental concepts in criminal justice is recidivism uh, recidivism of course refers to a person's relapse into criminal behavior behavior sorry and it is measured by criminal acts that result in rearrests reconviction or return to the prison system with or without a new sentence during a three-year period following a person's release the Bureau of Justice Statistics have found that there are high rates of recidivism among released prisoners. One study that tracked over 400,000 prisoners in 30 states after the release from prison in 2005 found that within three years, two thirds of those people were rearrested. Within five years, about three quarters of those people, 75 percent of released prisoners were rearrested. And of those prisoners who were rearrested, more than half of them, 56.7 percent Actually, had to go back to prison. In fact, more than 650,000 people will be released from American prisons every year, which is about 75 people every hour of every day. And within three years, roughly four in 10 of those people will be back behind bars. Good God. Yeah, I know. It's incredible. The yeah. reasons for this huge recidivism rate are very, uh, there's many of them and they're interconnected. Uh, but there's chief among those are finding a place to live and finding a place to work, which are two tests that are required under both of the rules. Rules for release, and they are more difficult when you have a criminal record, of course. Um, researchers at Princeton University found that having a criminal record in New York City, which is right here, New York, uh, right here where we're broadcasting from, <laughs> where, we are. Uh, where we are, can actually cut your chances of a black applicant landing a job as much as 57%. But if you're white, it's only by 35%. So there's an interesting racial aspect to it as well. Now, the federal government has tried in the past to address the recidivism crisis. For example, in 2008, George W. Bush signed. Um, the bipartisan Second Chance Act into law. That act actually provided millions of dollars for states and local governments and nonprofits to help formerly incarcerated people get back on their feet. But it has also been implemented at the state and local level. Therefore, in some states, there are very promising initiatives that help provide substance abuse, mental health, job training and housing assistance. But in other states, because of lack of funds in the state budgets, I'm looking at you, red states, they have cut these funds or they have not wisely used the funds that they get from the federal government and they have not been able to implement these programs or if they have cut some of these programs altogether i know jackie's going to talk more about the cut in education programs later on during this segment um, more than half of all jail and prison inmates also have mental health issues as i already mentioned and so they face daunting problems upon their release the vera institute of justice which is a great not-for-profit they released a study in 2012 that found that it costs us Um, Sorry, the aggregate cost to run prisons in 40 states was $39 billion in 2010. That has only gone up. And the annual average taxpayer cost in the state is $31,000 per inmate per year, which is actually more than it would cost to send somebody to community college. So we really
1: suck at this, is what you're saying. We really
2: do suck at this. Um, in fact, as I already mentioned, the uh, a great body of research suggested that by improving community supervision and helping formerly incarcerated people reintegrate into society actually saves us money because we don't have people going back to prison and we have lower recidivism rates. And so uh, we have found through studies that... Educational programs and vocational programs actually allow us to reduce the prison population size. Um, Yet we are finding that because many people are slashing their education budgets and slashing their training budgets, more and more people are going back to prison and recidivizing. And the rate of recidivism is not going up per se, but it's also not going down either.
1: So I want to start the conversation because that was, like, a lot of information. So, I know. I'll give you like, a lot. <laughs> if you didn't know anything about recidivism now, you now have three semesters worth of information. <laughs> so congratulations. You have an associate's in criminal justice. Jackie, like, we talked about, like, you know, these stats. We don't need more stats for the moment. What I want to know now is, like, that. Like, what does this actually look like in our communities? So I feel like I'm kind of a jerk now for saying that. But, like, I'm sure we all know someone who's been arrested and has gone to jail who came out and went back. Like, what is that, what does that look like for our communities?
0: Well, I think what it looks like, I mean we have to ask ourselves what is the purpose of prison right is it to get dangerous people or criminals out of society Mm -hmm. or is it to um rehabilitate bad behavior and correct behavior right we call them correctional facilities but Mm -hmm. i don't think that these facilities are doing a lot of correcting of bad behavior i think actually it's the opposite where people go to prison and experience a lot of emotional and physical trauma um they might be more likely to commit a crime or an act of violence once they leave. I mean, I think about things I was reading about um, statistics regarding solitary confinement and just what happens to your mind. Can you imagine if you are locked into solitary confinement, you don't, you're not receiving like therapy after you go through something like that, right? You're not dealing with it in an appropriate way. It's not correcting any negative behavior. It's probably amplifying it tremendously. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I think the most, the first thing we have to ask ourselves here when we're talking about things like recidivism is what is the purpose of prison, right? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about funding programs and things that are going to help reduce rates of recidivism um, and keep people out of prison... Um, a lot of the pushback that we hear is, well, why should we be investing in these programs for criminals, right? When, you know, we have plenty of people that aren't going to jail that need help with things like education and finding a home and affordable housing and et cetera. Mm -hmm. Why should we be investing in people that have gone to jail? Because it costs
2: more money to lock people up. And it also costs our society something. It it
0: costs us so much, right? I mean, already, inherently, we need to look at the criminal justice system um, and its structural problems, right? And how... Because if you are born to a certain family with certain skin color um, in a certain community with certain socioeconomic status, you are just more likely to end up in prison. And I think that the way we view prison is or a lot of people do amazingly to me, a lot of probably white people do, is that, oh, you are committing a bad act you were committing a crime it was just your individual decision there were no structural elements that led you to that point and we need to correct your behavior and take you off the street as a danger instead of oh there's a bigger problem here a more structural societal ill that we need to fix but that takes a lot more time and money
2: Uh, you know you had raised a question that i want to answer so you had said why do we send people to prison well when you go to law school they teach you in criminal law that there are three main reasons why we have prisons right there's deterrence uh, both specific deterrence we want to to, uh, deter you specifically from committing this crime again and general deterrence we want to we want to deter people in the general population from committing crimes in general there's rehabilitation which as we are <laughs> discussing here is a joke because you know the money is completely lacking and i can give you i know we i gave you a lot of statistics but actually uh congress failed to renew federal funding in 2011 2012 and 2013 so you know there's a lack of funds there to even provide rehabilitation services and then there's Contribution and punishment, right? We want to punish you for this thing that you did wrong. So those are the three main reasons we say why we send people to prison. Black. Uh, well, yeah, obviously there are yeah. systemic racial injustices that are built into the criminal justice system that we've talked about. Um, so that's just to answer your Question briefly. Sure. I know we have a caller on the line. If you have a question or a comment, you can give us a call as well. The number is two one two six five zero six nine zero three. You can also tweet at us at Be Heard underscore Radio, or you can leave a comment on Politically Preposterous.
3: Stanley.
1: All right. So I want to get to brother Omar, who's on the from the Big Mango, and he's on the phone. Brother Omar, let your voice be heard.
3: Yes, sir. And once again, thank you uh, to you and your panel for such an interesting uh, uh, subject. Uh, First of all, I'm going to give kudos to our president for at least trying to adjust this situation. He's the first sitting uh, U.S. president to visit brothers and sisters in prison. And you say that it costs more for us to keep a brother, sister incarcerated. But they're making money off them, too. This is a slave-orientated society, okay? So the bottom line is that the, the, the 13th Amendment didn't free prisoners. It said unless, it, it freed the slaves unless you did a crime. And when you have over 2.5 million brothers and sisters in lockdown, and when I say brothers, I'm saying American citizens, okay, and you have over point walking around with a ticket on them, Mm -hmm. Uh, they're making money off them also, okay? So don't kid yourself. And then on top of that, Wall Street. a lot of these prisons are privatized. So you have them Wall Street hotshots that own these prisons, because I used to visit brothers and sisters up who were incarcerated, okay? Mm -hmm. And I see what's going on. And the bottom line is they make it difficult. When you come out, they make sure – most of them cannot get a job. This is why they're repeating. They can't live in public housing. Yeah. so when they come they can't vote there's so many things they cannot do so they, it's It's geared for them to repeat themselves. The sister was saying uh, one out of uh, four of uh, every ten uh, go back in in the in the in the afro American community it's more like seven out of ten go back. <laughs> So you, yeah so it's it's done on purpose yeah. okay they 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 know what they're doing you say of course it, it, it costs $40,000 to keep a young man uh, and, and, and sister incarcerated. They, they, they don't want to put that money back in education because when they get them back there, they pay them five, six, seven uh, cents an hour. When you see T-shirts in 99-cent stores say Made in America, the, the, the odds are it was made by a brother and sister incarcerated.
1: Thank you so much for all that amazing information, Brother Omar. It was very true. You were hitting on a lot of points that we want to talk about and are going to be talking about in the next half of the segment. But until then, we do have to go on a break. Brother Omar, please continue tuning in. If you have something else to say, always feel free to call in. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM W H C R The Voice of Harlem. I
3: got
1: in the Credit cards <laughs> Just kidding, guys. We are back on. Let your voice be heard on you ninety point three Adele. FM. W H C R. Rolling in the
2: deep.
0: <gasps> Adele.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know what? I hope here? you f- you find someone like me. You woke up like that? No, I did Thinking not actually. You look like Adele. Yes, I brushed my beard and I felt beautiful. That you're a that <laughs> you are that you're a, a
2: talented white British woman.
1: Yes, I, I am. Bl- white women are magic.
2: <laughs> we were back.
1: Women? I want to get so much Please trouble for that. Don't I want to get so that. much Do trouble not. for that. Please. I was joking. Well, I mean, I, never mind. Oh, we're God. back. We'll let your voice be heard, Selena. This is why you cannot miss shows on ninety point three FM WHCR, the Voice of Harlem. And we were just talking about recidivism, and Brother Omar gave some amazing commentary about the state of the prison system and how it affects people of color. One of the things that he talked about were these private prisons, which at the moment make up 10% of all prisons in the U.S., but that number is climbing. And it's gotten to the point now that they are monetizing it, that you can be in prison for a fine of taking back to prison for not being able to pay that fine. And also, in states like New York, where you have the Northern Tier, you have the Albany's and the Syracuse's and those other places where their entire economy is driven by prisons, they don't have an incentive to, like, well, Albany's entire economy is not driven, but no, no, there, no, but not, there not are places
0: upstate and Syracuse either, for that matter. But there are places in upstate New York, like around Dannemora and these upstate prisons where or even in
2: Ellenville, yeah, which is an all
0: star. Right. Exactly. Where there are communities that are financially dependent on on prisons.
1: Yeah. And, like, th- these communities are all over the U.S. They're not just in New York. And these pr- these communities rely on the prison system, f- like, to drive their economy. And also they count the bodies in the prison as, like, bodies in their district, which helps them to get more funds. More funding. funds.
2: That's true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know who does that? Mississippi.
2: No, we do that here.
1: And they do it in New York, too. And, you know, that also helps when it comes time for districting and voting as well. But
2: I think that the one point that Brother Omar made that I really want to address is this idea of the private prison system. I mean, largely we've been talking about here like more of the public prison system and the lack of funding for educational and vocational programs, uh, which I'm going to come back to in a second. But there definitely is a large amount, as Brother Omar pointed out, uh, private prisons um, owned mostly by Corrections Corporation of America or CCA. And CCA is actually a stock that is sold on the stock market that you can buy it is publicly bought and traded which means that cca has a fiduciary duty to their shareholders their goal is to make money and how do they make money they make money by locking people up and where have we seen this become an issue well one of the c one of the places that we've seen this become an issue is actually if you remember a few years back in pennsylvania there was a judge who is locking kids up for no reason and essentially throwing away the key and the reason now he's in prison himself for yeah. for this scheme but The reason he was doing this is because in order, they needed to keep this prison full. And the reason they needed to keep this prison full is because that's how they made money because it was a private prison. And so he was getting kickbacks from the Corrections Corporation of America to keep sending people to prison because in order for them to make money, they needed bodies. And where were they getting bodies from? They were getting them from his courtroom. Stanley?
1: You know what's crazy about that? He was putting white kids in prison, too. Yep. Like, this wasn't even just like, a oh, let's arrest some more black people. He put white kids, like little like Noah and Chet were in prison. Um, But, you know, I I
2: don't want to get too off topic with that. I wanted to go back a second to, uh, you know, when we were first talking about this topic on Thursday night, one of the things that I mentioned to, to Jackie and Stanley on the phone was that, you know, when we were talking about this, this, um, this restaurant in the Italian prison. I said, this is a really out-of-the-box solution. You know, aside from the fact that they they let people actually leave the prison grounds, 200 well-vetted people who can leave every day and go to work and come back and get some sort of semblance of a normal, quote-unquote normal, you know, working situation. So this way, when they get out, they can continue this, quote-unquote, normal working situation. I said, you know, this is a really out-of-the-box idea that, you know, people get real life job training skills, interacting with people, not just cooking in a kitchen, but learning how to weigh tables, learning how to interact with the public, you know, learning these different skills. I said, it's really out of the box. It's really clever. We should, you know, adopt some kind of program here. And then Jackie brought up the scenario, which is like we don't need out of the box solutions. Right. We need to in America, we need to fund the solutions we already have, which is right. so true. In doing my research, what I found um, is that. Uh, The study reported that states with prison populations that cut their funding on average by 10 percent actually saw an increase of people coming back into the prison system, whereas people, prisoners who received vocational training were 28 percent more likely to obtain post-released employment and therefore not likely to come back into
0: the prison system. Jackie? I mean, that was my point that I was going to make
1: yes let's let's really talk about that though let 's talk about the politics of this because when you talk about raising funding for prison systems to rehabilitate people, the argument a lot of people have is why would we invest money into um, these prisons, we, we can invest them into regular people who are not in jail, who have not committed a crime. We had a we, There was a former host on the show, or at least um, co- course, correspondent, Mike, who said that one time when Governor Cuomo wanted to raise funding so that you can have um, school degrees for um, people in prison, he said, why would you do that? Give it to kids in CUNY. Um, well, why can't that's we have both? really
0: funny because Governor Cuomo, just in his budget this year, is calling for the state to defund CUNY and to give... Funding over to the city, so governor. Yeah. So I think that's a really interesting point. Is that he's horrible? I mean, he's the worst. I, he's the worst governor. Um, but it, it is a legitimate concern, right? So um, I was reading a study that said that for um, that inmates that participate in correctional educational programs or vocational programs have. lower odds of recidivism, 43%. That is tremendous. But a lot of people, a lot of the pushback against implementing these programs is that while they cost money, and they do, in the long term, it's actually a great investment because you get a lot of money back. Um, It's a lot cheaper to educate inmates than it is to re-incarcerating them, right? Yeah. but it costs money, and there's this issue. Well, education is already so expensive, right? I, you know, someone can argue. I've had to put everything I have up to be able to po- afford to pay for my college degree, and I've done everything right, and I've never been incarcerated, and I've stayed out of trouble, and um, and I still can't even get the financial aid and the help and the the. Um, grants back to pay for my own school i still have to take out a tremendous amount of debt why does someone who's incarcerated have you know i've heard an ignorant i will say but i guess understandable argument well someone who's incarcerated why should they have these opportunities that i don't and it's a bigger problem with the educational system as a whole right we should be funding both we should be investing in education Throughout doesn't whether you're incarcerated or you're not. Um, But I think that those staggering numbers, 43 percent of people who partake in these programs are not then going back to prison is enough to say we need these programs. We need to be educating inmates. We need to stop throwing people in solitary confinement and start treating prison as a place where we can actually do correctional work and actually work to rehabilitate criminals. Then just a place to lock people up and get them off the street no mm-hmm. and you know
2: what, and and i agree with that but this is a thing this is my response to that like i don't understand like you know you say it's sort of understandable and maybe it is like i don't think it is though because to me those things are not mutually exclusive right you, we can fund we should be funding education and grants and stuff for people who want to go to college who are not in prison and we should still be funding education in prison well, right? yeah it's I, like I, there I... should be enough money to do both of those, right? Things. No, I
0: agree with you, and that's why I'm saying that it's not something that's correct in its assumption because there should be money to pay for both of those programs. What I'm saying is that I understand, and I mean, I think that maybe you and I are speaking from a little bit of a point of privilege here when. Um, we say, you know, we should be able to just do both. I understand the argument for someone who maybe hasn't had the privilege that you or I have had, who has really had to suffer and struggle to pay for school, to so look at this issue from a surface level and say, well, what about me, mm-hmm. right? right? Because what about you? That is absolutely a valid point.
1: Education for inmates helps communities because when they come out, they're not necessarily going back to where they have to go, like going back to the life of crime. And also, if our country can't even employ the people in America who are not in prison and who are not doing things to get into prison, how do you expected inmates to, to get it to be able to get a job and you're not providing them the resources they need to ha- find those exactly. jobs like giving them vocational skills helping them like get a degree that can help them take you to the next level allow them to receive financial aid allowing them to apply for for housing and i've seen this happen firsthand in my communities where people come home and they don't want to get in trouble and they start off really optimistic miss those right. first couple of days but then they can't find work and like do you know what i'm nice found out that they're staying in this building and now they're getting kicked out so they go to stay at that old friend's house that they used to hang out with before they got arrested and that same friend is doing the same things he was doing before and after a month he still can't find work so he starts dabbing into the stuff that he was doing before to pay the bills and then we after a while he gets caught and he's back in jail. This is a real life thing. Right. It's a vicious
2: cycle. And then and then the other thing is then, you know, he's not home and maybe he has kids and then he's not home to be there to support his kids. And then that creates a situation where we have another generation of children who have a, a one parent who is absent because that parent is in prison and we're not doing anything as a society to fix the situation. And as you point out, that affects everybody. And it affects everybody because of the fact that money is spent to continue to keep people in prison there's two things that I wanted to say about that which is one it always reminds me of that line from the movie Blow I don't know if you've seen the movie Blow with Johnny Depp but he talks about like the first time he goes to prison he goes to prison for dealing marijuana and he goes I went into prison with a bachelor's in marijuana and I came out of prison with a master's degree in cocaine and he said you know like the only thing I learned in prison was how to be a better criminal I didn't they weren't teaching me how to be a better person how to be a more active member of society and ultimately at the end of the day we want to have people that are reintegrated into society, not only because it makes sense, because it's the right thing to do, but also like even from a fiscal conservative perspective, if you're somebody who says that you're fiscally conservative and you want to see the government saving money, well, the best way the government can save money is by one, not spending money to keep people in prison and instead spending that money to make sure people don't go back into prison because it costs less money to make sure somebody go back to prison than it does to keep them in there. And two, the more people that get out of prison and get jobs, that means more More taxpayers. So that means more money coming into the government, more money coming into the economy, because now people are working. So they're spending money in the economy. So it benefits everybody as a society to make sure that people don't go back to prison. So if you are a Republican and you're a fiscal conservative, your mentality shouldn't be, why are we paying for somebody in prison to get a college degree? Your mentality should be, you know what, Paying for somebody to get a college degree in prison is actually going to cost us less and make us money in the long run than them going back to prison the year or three months or within three years after they get out. It doesn't make any sense.
1: So now, guys, we do have to wrap this conversation up. I want to ask one more question before we do that. And that question is, so then what the hell do we do now? How do we start to get this thing to change? Start with Jackie.
0: I think we need to support Pell Grants for Prisoners is the program. I think we need to—I think this issue is— is, seem to be very unpopular by elected officials who don't want to touch it, right? Because while yes, it makes so much sense. And if you understand the economics of it, or if you understand the sociology behind educating inmates, it makes so much sense. But Politically, it's sort of unpopular, right? People don't understand why are we investing in programs for people who are incarcerated and not for people who aren't. So I think the first thing we can do is hold our elected officials accountable and call them and say, you know, if there's bills that we see on the floor that would benefit these programs that would benefit. Um, prevent rates of recidivism we should be calling our elected officials um, on the local and federal level and saying i support this i vote in your district i would like it for you to support this they need to hear from us that this isn't Um, that this is a popular belief. Absolutely, because you know who they are hearing for? They're hearing from the
2: corrections unions. And the corrections unions have a ton of power. And the corrections unions unions mobilize their members, uh, as all unions do. And they're the voices that are being heard, you know, the Mm -hmm. people who are saying, you know. And this is another thing. People think like, oh, you know, this person's never getting out of prison. Eight in ten people will get out of prison at some point. Only, you know, something like 20 percent of people in the United States will never get out of prison or will not get out of prison until they are very, very, very old. So, you know, like 80% of people who are currently incarcerated will at some point in the next five years be leaving prison. And we should be figuring out a way to not— have them go back to prison. And I think that starts, like you said, reaching out to your legislators and making this more of a popular issue. But, you know, from the legislative perspective, which is we have to fund these programs. We can't keep cut, 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 cutting. Right. You know what? It's like, if there's a budget deficit because you lowered taxes like they did in Kansas, and now they have no money to pay for anything, like, that's a problem. Because apparently, you know, it's like, like Tupac once said, you know, we have money for war, but we can't feed the poor, right? right. There's a constant, endless surplus of money to pay for you know, wars and this and that and the third. But there is not money to pay to benefit society. And every single study that's been done on this shows that money spent to keep people from going back to prison not only is fiscally, you know, beneficial to states and to the federal government, but also benefits society as a whole. So we should be funding this at adequate levels to make sure that people do not go back to prison.
1: Thank you very much for that. So I'm going to close this conversation now by just saying some something that I think is very simple. Sometimes the simplest solution is the simplest solution, and it's just basic common sense. And America seems to have this aversion to using common sense. When we wonder why there are people of color who are frustrated with white America, we always say, I don't understand why black people are so angry. Well, slavery and Jim Crow and police brutality no one starts to think about that they think no that can't be it they always make other excuses when we think about why there are so many people who are incarcerated come out of prison and are right back within six months we ask the question well why are they doing this are they just natural born criminals are they just naturally bad people no one asks the question of oh well like this prisoner couldn't find a home. This prisoner couldn't find a job. This prisoner couldn't get education. This prisoner had no other options. They just assumed that these are bad people. And when we see an increase in women being in prison, in particular women of color, black women and Spanish women going to prison, and we're asking the question of why is this happening? We're not asking the questions of, well, did did society give these women everything that they needed? Did we stand up for them? Did we speak out for them? And then when they come out and they go back into toxic situations, we ask ourselves, how did this happen? And we don't look at the blatant things like, if you don't provide somebody with work, you don't give them education, you don't help them or walk them through the process, they'll go right back to the same toxic lands that they came from. We are failing our people, and I think that we're very comfortable in that process because we have not done a damn thing to change it, and instead we'd rather fund people who want to make money off of the backs of those who never had a chance. If you're okay with that, I guess you're okay with that. But if you're not, we got to do something because this has got to stop. We're trying to have these conversations. We're going on a quick break. When we come back, it'll be the quickie. Alyssa will tell you about Missouri's weird religious liberty bill. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. WHCR 90.3 FM, New York. (laughs) <laughs> we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. No reason for a long intro, Alyssa. Get him.
2: All right. So uh, last <laughs> year, if you didn't know, if you live under a rock, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of same-sex marriage. What? Uh, oh, no. Uh, since then, many Another
1: states- I gayer. What? I know the air felt gayer. Oh, yeah,
2: that's what it is. <laughs> okay. Come here, Stanley. I'm getting a little closer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Since then, so many states have attempted to enact religious freedom. I'll put that in quotes. Laws which, in no uncertain terms, allow businesses to discriminate against people by refusing service if providing that service would conflict with their sincerely held religious belief. As in, I mean, they could even say, and this doesn't even apply just to marriage, because they could say to you, Stanley, like, "I don't believe in you being black, and that's my religious belief, so you can't have lunch at this lunch counter." Isn't that called a constitution? Um, Yeah. So you know, this goes beyond just religious freedom or anti-gay, and could now conceivably go forward into you know my religion. Uh, says that I can't serve somebody depending on what the color of their skin is, Um, you know, and so that is scary enough in and of itself. But uh, let's talk specifically about what's going on in Missouri right now. So the latest state to try this out is Missouri. As I just mentioned, it's a bill known as SJR 39, which is a proposed constitutional amendment, not just a law. And the reason that's significant is because it doesn't have to be signed by the Democrat who's the governor. They can actually bypass the governor's Signing it, which they would have to do if it was just a regular law. And instead, by the fact that the uh, Senate and the House pass it, it can end up on the ballot so that the actual constituents, the people who live in the state of Missouri, can vote on it as a popular vote in November. Um, It is one of a dozen religious freedom bills that's filed in legislatures around the country, an unprecedented number. They have been filed as a conservative backlash to the Supreme Court ruling last summer that legalized same-sex marriage in all 50 states. And if approved by the voters, the law would prohibit the state from imposing a penalty on a religious organization who acts in accordance with a sincere religious belief concerning same-sex marriage, which includes the refusal to perform a same-sex marriage ceremony or allow a same-sex wedding to be performed on a religious organization organization's property now something that should already be mentioned about this is it's sort of redundant because when the supreme court legalized same-sex marriage they made a specific and clear carve out that said that you know churches don't have to marry people religious institutions don't have to engage in it that already uh that you know essentially like you know you could go down to city hall and get married and if you then wanted to get married in the church and the church said no you couldn't force the church to marry you so it seems like this sort of overlaps this but this goes actually even farther than that because, um... It, SRJ would protect religious organizations, even if they are only religious in part, quote-unquote, for taking action based on their opposition to same-sex marriaging. Those organizations can include both religious societies, corporations, entities, partnerships, preschools, schools, institutions of higher education, ministries, charities, social service providers, and others. And it would protect individuals, including closely held commercial entities, from refusing to provide goods of expression or artistic creations for a same-sex wedding— Read wedding cakes, etc., which means that the law would protect individuals who decline due to sincere religious beliefs to provide goods or express artistic creations for same-sex weddings or wedding receptions, and as I already mentioned, could go even farther to them denying service to anybody based on their sincere religiously held belief. The state would be barred from penalizing, taxing, or otherwise denying tax exemptions, or refusing licenses, terminating contracts, or taking various other actions against any qualified entity who claim that their action was based based on a sincerely held religious belief. Uh, There was a 39-hour filibuster that was held by Democrats trying to balk the bill back last Wednesday, but the Republicans in the Senate voted 23 to 9 to advance the bill in a procedural move to override the filibuster. The bill still needs to pass the uh, House, sorry, the House, (laughs) the House, the House, and then would be on the popular ballot, but it's likely it would be voted Uh, in favor if it does make the ballot the democrats are outnumbered more than two to one in the house so it will likely pass the house and end up on the ballot democrats who are in the minority are trying to block the bill because they say it would enshrine discrimination into the state constitution whereas republicans who are sponsoring the bill say that the measure does not discriminate that it is a shield not a sword Um, And if you believe that I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn Um, Mm -hmm. Major corporations and uh, politicians Have argued otherwise This is going to piss liberals off to no ends. But two of the biggest companies in Missouri Monsanto and Dow Chemical Have actually come out Against this religious freedom bill Um, Monsanto put out a statement That says at Monsanto We remain committed to diversity and, And inclusion for all And this legislation would be contrary to that position Monsanto is actually calling for other businesses and the agricultural community to join the company in speaking out against discrimination here in the company's home state of Missouri and around the world. Another big company that liberals love to hate is Dow Chemicals, and Dow Chemicals also maintains a plant in Missouri.
0: They announced during the filibuster that they oppose this type of legislation. Good for them for opposing it. I just think Monsanto. It's funny. We support diversity, monocrops, but diversity for people. Just you know, um, let's destroy the environment. The St. Louis Chamber of Commerce also weighed in. Say,
2: saying that SJR 939 sends the message to the rest of the country that Missouri condones discrimination. Both Bernie and Hillary have come out against this law. The governor of Missouri, Jay Nixon, who does not have to sign it for it to become law, as I already said, because it's going to be on the ballot, he has spoke out against the law. LGBT advocates have warned that if the bill passed, it would create a legally dubious double standard because it would single out one type of person, those in a same-sex marriage, for discrimination. And they have also said that the measure raises serious consequences Constitutional questions because the Supreme Court's marriage equality ruling last June ensures same-sex couples enjoy the same constitutional rights to marry as everybody else. And there would be lots of legal challenges that would go on and on and on for many, many years. Um, Likewise, the Human Rights Campaign also said in a statement on Tuesday that the measure is shrouded in language about protecting those with religious beliefs, but really it just opens the door to discrimination against same-sex couples and possibly others.
1: All right. Damn, Lissa.
2: So on that note. Boom.
1: (laughs) On that note, guys, that was the gay law speech of the day. We are going away for the week. We will see you next week. Selena will be back, and we will have structure and chills. So, guys, thank you so much for taking our time to be with us today, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend, which is like 16 hours. Not much left. Drink some Hennessy.
0: Go outside.
3: No. Like dandelions. Food my hope than advertise. They say Tonya dead wrong. I say wrong. Had to die.